Hello, everyone. This is, this is the moment of truth. Hey, I haven't sat on this sofa since November, and I'm really nervous that as we sit on it, we might all drop slowly, so bear with us. Uh, it's the dangers of an inflatable sofa. Um, thanks for coming. This is pretty full. My name is Phil, if we haven't met before. I don't normally sound like I'm from Nickelback. Um, I've lost my voice, if you can't tell. It's really good that you're here. We're from Alpha. Um, has anyone heard of Alpha? Yeah, lots of us, nice. So uh, Alpha, if you don't know, is uh, a short introduction to the Christian faith for people that don't know Jesus yet. It's done through conversation. And so as Alpha Youth, one of the dreams we had really was to provide spaces where uh, the voice of young people is heard. So if you go through the, the communication technique of Jesus um, and you do the maths, I wasn't very good at maths in school. In fact, my brother's ex-girlfriend chittered me, which was awkward. Um, you find out that Jesus was 40 times more likely to ask a question than answer one. Um, and I think that communication technique of asking questions is important. We have a saying in Alpha Youth that listening is the love language of the next generation. And so we really believe that it's important we listen to young people. So the, the purpose of this sofa, um, there's like 10 of them exist worldwide. Every time one goes up, it should signal to someone that young people are going to be heard on it. That's the heart. Um, so today we're going to have f four young people up with me, and uh, Ken, I'll introduce Ken properly, not just Ken, <laughs> whenever we're coming, um, and, and Johnny, Johnny works for Alpha too, um, here's a secret, technically, I stopped working for Alpha yesterday, um, but I still love them, lots, um, but I'm going to invite uh, Ruby and Poppy and my other two friends up, please, Karis and Sarah and Beth, I, so bad of me. And Ken, would you like to come too? And Johnny, we're all going to fit on the sofa. Just ease yourself on. Squeeze around. Squeeze around. Yep, perfect. Ken, there's a wee spot right there for you. The, yeah, it gets a bit, but that's why we don't fully inflate it. Some of you will have backs to you. That's just the, it's the way it happens when people s sit right around the sides. Um, today... Yeah, last year Pete Gregg jumped on it and freaked me out. Um, fun fact, uh, right there, Christine Kane sat once. Isn't that interesting? There you go. Um, so today, today's conversation is going to be about two things. Uh, the festival so far, so what, what we've been getting from it. And then we're going to talk about the three questions that are the most prevalent of the current generation, which is who am I, where do I belong, and what's my purpose? Um, and then... Johnny and I aren't really going to talk, we're just going to ask questions. Um, who would like to, to begin? There you go. Okay. Nice. So the three, the, the questions I would like to ask you, okay, just to begin with, is number one, who are you? So what's your name? You've yeah. you got to listen because there's quite a few questions coming your way. Who are you? Your age and where you're from? Mm -hmm. Do you like Nando's? I've never been. You've never been. Okay, what's yeah. your Tesco meal deal? Right? Yeah. And then your dream holiday destination. Okay. So, I'm Sarah Beth McConville. I go to Orangefield and I'm 14 years old. Um, so, I've never been to Nando's. So, and then my Tesco meal deal, I'd say like a tuna pasta and like a smoothie. And those sensations, Chris, like the Thai sweet chili. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that, got, that got a good response there. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And then, um, what was the other question? Your dream holiday oh, destination. I'd love to go to Australia. Oh, so, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. We'll just go this way, it's easy, it's the same questions. 
Thank you. Um, hopefully I remember them all. Um, my name is Karis McLean. I'm also from Orangefield. I'm 13 years old. And um, I've only been to Nando's once, but I got nachos, which oh. are really good. Yeah. Jealous. Um, and Protesca Mielda. I like their smoothies and probably like, this is really weird, but sushi. No, I, I read it. I yeah. read it. And I would really like to go to like Canada. Nice. Yeah. Um, Canada, Canada. Oh, happy Canada Day. Yeah. Uh, could, could we just ask what the snack in your meal deal is? Because you're missing a, th oh, yeah. a third of it. Um, probably like a packet of crisps or a bar. Specifically sure. speaking. Oh. Like Pringles. Pringles. Pringles are good. Nice. What do we think of Pringles? Depends on flavour. Okay, uh, we'll come over this side. Um, my name's Ruby Fell. Um, I'm from Bangor Elim. Um, what was the first one? Uh, what is? Oh, Nando's. And your Tesco meal deal? Um, I've only been in Nando's once, but I got um, a pita with um, medium spice chicken breast. <laughs> Med medium spice is Adele, the singer's favourite spice. Is it? Wow, it's a good choice. Um, Trivia. I got peri salted chips and the broccoli, I think. Um, and my Tesco's meal deal. I don't know, maybe for like a chicken and sweet corn sandwich or like a chicken and stuffing. I don't know, yep. something with chicken and like chicken it. salad. Yes. I, I like don't know. Um, then maybe like a Snickers and a Coke Zero. That's strong. Yeah. I don't know, I just love Snickers. Strong. But um, then Dream, Holiday Destination. Um, Australia too, or maybe Hawaii. Nice. I'm Poppy, and I'm also here with Mangrelim. Um, I've never been to Nando's, so I don't have a favourite Nando's order. Um, and then Tesco meal deal, probably um, a BLT, and Coke Zero, and probably um, ready salted um, oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know it is basic, yeah. I know. Um, dream holiday destination, probably Greece. Like, um, nice. Cabos, all those kind of ones. Mm. Is it Cabos, yeah? Islands. Is that, yeah? The islands, yeah. Yes. Greek islands, yeah. Very nice. Ken. Oh. Do you have Tesco? No. Where no, does a meal deal? We had our first Tesco meal deal the other day. It was oh, so you got one? Yeah. Awesome. It you can tell us what wonderful. it was. It was It was like turkey and cheese and something. Yeah. Tur turkey and cheese? And lettuce and pepper? Yeah. What was your drink? Lucasade. Orange or normal? Zach had orange. I had the normal. But it's not the same as it used to be. Do we like orange Lucasade or normal Lucasade? Hands up for normal? Yeah, mm. normal. Hands up for orange? Weird. Yeah, it's pretty 50-50. Interesting. Okay. Um, Ken, could you, could you tell us, a, well, what's your dream holiday destination? Uh, dream holiday destination, I think I'd like to go to Northern Ireland. Yeah, that's right. Yep. It's specifically a field in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, no, um, <laughs> I, I love coming here, so this is always a dream destination for me. Great. Um, Ken, could you tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do? You're obviously speaking on Monday night and Tuesday morning. Ooh. Yeah, Just wow, me. good reaction. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm a pastor in Minneapolis, but I, I have for about 17 years been coming out to Northern Ireland to hang out with you guys, and uh, I've been to Orangefield. I've hung out at Orangefield like 15 years ago with Johnny, back when Johnny was... About 16? Like 16 years old. Yeah. 
Um, you haven't aged a day. Yeah, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. You must moisturize well. I have, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I've been in youth ministry for over 30 years, and I do a lot of writing and speaking and uh, work, on, work on some Bibles and do some really fun stuff. So I'm, I'm delighted to be with you guys this week. I've been wanting to come to Summer Madness for like 17 years, and finally Billy Fife told me it was my time to be here. So here I am. Wonderful. Um, Guys, we'd love to, uh, I suppose, ask you a little bit about last night. So obviously festival kicked off last night and Rachel Gardner was speaking and you've had overnight and this morning to digest a little bit of that content and teaching and stuff. And um, just love to ask you, like, what have you made of the content so far and like last night when Rachel was speaking was there anything in particular you came away with or that really struck you or you really liked um let's go this direction first um I found this morning whenever Rachel's talking on the case um about how whenever you accept God's love um and kind of like I don't know, like kind of accept him, then it like leads you to repentance and that kind of just stuck with me as an important thing to remember. Same question to Poppy, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to know a fun fact? I don't have a single cousin in my life. Anybody else in the room like me don't have a single cousin? How weird is that? I'm glad I'm not the only one. Poppy is the closest thing that I have to a cousin. And we, we've kind of worked that out this morning. <laughs> so I think, I think we figured out we're like second cousins once removed or twice removed or something like that. We'll figure it out later. Anyway, same question to you. Um, I think that Rachel said this morning um, what stood out to me most was when she said that it wasn't whenever Jesus, well, Jesus didn't hurl insults or um, sort of look at Zacchaeus and say, like, you've done loads of wrong things, you're a sinner. Um, it was the fact that Jesus looked at Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus looked at Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, um, he immediately realized that he is selfish and greedy and he repented through that rather than Jesus having to like specifically point out his wrongdoings. I think that was really, yeah, that was really standout, yeah. Let's hear from Orangefield. So as like a general of both, like I really think like how God has guided me through everything, it really helped me those talks and how he guides me with his love, like the amount of love he gives me. And those talks really like brought it to me and showed me like how strong his love is for me. Cool. Yeah, I'm kind of same as Sarah Beth, but like Rachel's kind of all around message of like God loving us. Like I've been brought up like being told that my whole life, but really coming to Seven Man is like we really feel like a connection with God and you really feel the love for God. And it's really good. Have you guys, um, what you're saying about having some kind of understanding of the love of God, but then it being a different thing when you tangibly like experience that. Have any of you guys had a similar sort of experience before where it's like the love of God becomes more real in your life through something? We'll start with Ken. Start with Ken. Ken, are you actually Kenneth? Kendrick? No. Kendrick? Kendrick Caster. (laughs) That's your new name, Kendrick Caster. So an experience, Johnny, yeah. that where I realized God really loved me? Yes, Kendrick. 
Uh, I'm going to, Monday night, actually, I'm going to tell a little bit of a story about that. Uh, Monday night, we're going to talk about uh, Jesus asked you to bring all of your burdens to him. And there was a time when I was a teenager when my life was just falling apart, like physically, emotionally, socially, every aspect of my life was falling apart. And uh, God just hit me with his love big time, changed my life when I was 16 years old. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that on Monday night. So is that fair? Can I dodge the question a little bit? Okay, all right. If you don't talk about it on Monday night, I'll be very angry with you, Kendrick. And you should be. Yes. yes, thank okay. you. <laughs> Same, question. Same question. Same question. Did you also say, like, it's, like, difficult to understand God's love? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose I'm kind of wondering, like, because I, I probably had a similar kind of journey to what mm. Ken's describing, where um, from I was no age, people told me God loves you. But then maybe I had an experience where it became a bit more real. And I, I'm kind of wondering if, if you guys have ever ex- had that kind of experience or a moment like that, or um, maybe even something that has helped you to understand God's love better, you know, where you've maybe like seen something or, um, yeah. Yeah, well, um, again, same. I've always been like um, told that God loves me. I've always been around that environment. I've grown up in a Christian household, been to church my whole life. Um, and I suppose you always get to that stage where you're like, kind of figuring out for yourself. You're like, does God really love me? Like through like all my brokenness and all my wrongdoings, like I'm a sinner. And so I'm like, does God really love me? I look at myself and I'm like, how could God love me? But I think... Um, definitely summer madness last year was like the first time that I was like oh my goodness like this is crazy like especially the room full of like hundreds of people there that were all like praising God I was like well like God God does love every single one of us and like this proves it like I think definitely yeah last year summer madness um, yeah, I'd probably agree with Poppy that last year at Summer Manus as well not to just like jump on the bandwagon here but um, it definitely was like the kind of a breakthrough like it was like a really big reminder to me and then that kind of just like continued on from there um but yeah I don't know I think it's, it's sometimes really hard to remember especially like growing up as a teenager in school and everything that like Jesus does love you and sometimes you think like you're not worthy of it and um it's actually hard to comprehend sometimes that like the creator of the universe loves you like despite all your flaws so yeah, I think it's sometimes it definitely is hard to remember, but Summer Madness last year just definitely made it a lot more clear to me. Friends to my left. Um, I would say both years at Summer Madness because like it's straight after school and throughout school you're like not many Christian friends and it's hard to like do things. You don't want to like do the wrong thing, of course, but if you don't have anyone to help you with it, you don't know how to like go with it. So whenever you go to Summer Madness, I feel free. Like I, f- like I feel like God's helping me through it. Yeah. Great. Um, I'm also kind of the same as everyone again. Like in school, it can be really hard because like I didn't really have that many Christian friends in school. Like more just in church. And I went to one of my first ever Christian festivals, New Year and Summer Madness. And at both of those last year, like I kind of felt this realization, like a real like breakthrough, like really feeling God's love for me, and it was really good. Awesome. Can I can I be like really annoying and um, ask, was there some somewhere at the festival or like a particular like place or moment or space, whatever? Because um, yeah, um, obviously you can like you you know 
park up at Summer Madness and walk through the gate and just be like, what? You know, wow, <laughs> you know, God, God really does love me. Um, or what, like, what was kind of happening as you were encountering his love? Yeah, yeah was it in the portal? Yeah. I haven't had my visit yet for this year, so I look forward to that once we're done. Um, well, I think definitely like a major one was um, one of my best friends at the time um, became a Christian and she had been through like some major like hardships and everything and not really going to church at that time, came to Summer Madness, not really expecting much and just completely just turned around um, and like gave her life to Jesus, which was just amazing to see. And that just, I don't know, that just really stuck with me and was like, a reminder to me of how like life-changing he can be and despite any situation like he can just rescue from it so yeah that was definitely a reminder there's something about seeing the power of God at work in somebody else's life where you're like if it's just me and the things I've been told and the things I've seen that's one thing but then you see it in somebody else you're like you know it's not it's not just me yeah (laughs) yeah well (laughs) is that you Um, Phil, do you want to ask another question? Yes, perfect. So, uh, like I said at the start, according to research, it's not just my thought. Three of the questions that people are asking loads at the minute is, who am I? Where do I belong? What's my purpose? And so we want to focus on those three things. Um, If you've left your tent open, please leave and close it, because that's bad. Okay, don't leave, you will learn. It's quite windy, it'll dry out very quickly. Yes. Uh, while we're on that, no shoes and tents, that's correct, isn't it? Yeah? Rough? No? Okay, just me. Obviously. Anyway, identity, purpose, and belonging. So the first thing we're going to talk about is identity. So I'd love to ask you to tell us about one person, just one. There's no cop-outs, so I don't want to hear, why have two? No, one. One person that you would say has majorly influenced your life, and we'll, we'll go to Ken first, and that'll let the guys think for. Yes, Ken, you don't get a chance to, to think. Yeah. Over Ken's, to you, Ken's Kendrick, sharp. Kendrick Lamar over here. <laughs> okay, uh, one person who's who changed my life and helped form who I am. Yeah. So let me tell you about my fourth grade teacher. What, what would that be here? Would that be grade four standard? What, what age were you? I would have been nine. Oh, that's like P, P, P four. P, no, no, it's not P six. It's like P five, isn't it? P five. Do you guys even know P six? P five or six? Very young though. I was nine years old. And my my teacher, she was she was a really strong follower of Jesus, and I I kind of was, but not really yet. And my teacher, uh, she. Her name was Happy. Seriously, her name was Happy Waltz. Her name was Happy Waltz. So, Miss Waltz. And she put her hand on my shoulder, and Phil, she, she looked me in the eyes, and she says, this is no lie. She goes, you can change the world for Jesus. Do you know that? And I, I just remember, because she, she was my teacher. And I ran into her in the grocery store once, and I was so weirded out, because why is my teacher in the grocery store? Isn't that weird? Have you ever done that? Like, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be in school. Like, you don't eat food. I, I had a hard time putting all that together. But 
but I remember like to this day, she put her hand on my shoulder and she's like, you can change the world for Jesus. And I, I don't think I had ever realized that before, that that's what humans can do. And that's, that's kind of who we are. And so I've been pursuing that ever since. Well, I mean, how amazing would it be um, if at some point in the next like three or four days, you put a hand on your friend's shoulder and said something to them, um, noticed something about them or spoke something into their life that whenever they're the same age as Ken, they're still drawing strength from today. That'd be awesome. Cara, same question to you. Um, tell us about somebody who has helped make you who you are. Um, I'd probably say my dad because like, um, he's a minister and he's like always trusting in God and he's always telling me to. And like, especially recently, our family's been going through a really tough time. And like, he's really been trusting God. And I've been like wondering a bit like how he continues to do that. Because sometimes like, it's a bit hard and you don't understand why God's putting you through that. But like, I just find it so cool how he's like always like trusting in God and like knowing that he's there. And that just really inspires me. Awesome. Um, I would have to say my Nana, because she always like, is always saying that she's praying for us like whilst we're doing things, even like the littlest things. Um, she's always saying, I'll pray for you. And you don't really like acknowledge it until like you actually feel it. And yeah, it just really affects you how you know that she's praying for you like every minute of every day. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I don't know. I don't really have a good of an answer for this one because I don't know. No one really comes to mind to be honest. Um, because I don't know. Oh. I don't know. That's an acceptable answer. It's like, okay. I don't know. It's Whenever okay. I just think about it, I just think I don't have like a standout person who's influenced yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Um, same as Cars, I'd probably say my dad. Um, he's always like um, really good at like it faith faith wise and like just like in general like sense. He's really good at, like pushing me out of my comfort zone, and I'm like a really like person that like deeps everything and like overthinks everything so like um he's always like just go for it and like you'll you'll not regret it afterwards and like I'll always say to him after um like I'm glad you made me do that and yeah he's just really like encouraging so yeah probably that. I'm so not down with lingo anymore deeps everything <laughs> tell us about a person in your life Phil who's uh, made a difference like maybe like a mentor or a leader yeah. or like somebody mm. even in work maybe yeah, well, in, in my current job, my pastor matter. No, um, mine's actually quite a funny one. I don't, I don't know who they are. Uh, I became a Christian ten years ago this month. That's fun, isn't it? A decade, whole decade. And the night I became a Christian, I was sitting in a worship setting at a camp and hating every second of it because I thought it was really boring. And some random woman just came up to me and said. Uh, I don't know why, but I feel like out of everybody in this room, Jesus, or you need to know that Jesus loves you. And like, it just started a spiral that ended in me becoming a Christian. So I don't know who she is, but it's probably the most influential moment of my life. So yeah. um, thanks to, what shall we call her? Martha? Martha. It's kind thanks, of remarkable Martha. as well that she doesn't know. Yeah, isn't it? She'll maybe find out someday, but maybe she won't. Yeah, yeah um, maybe not. I have a friend who, whenever I was in school, I was only 15, and um, I'm from a family of English teachers. I've always liked words, I've always liked language, and so I, I like to, um, to teach things and to explain things. And somebody, whenever I was like 15 or 16, looked me in the eye and said, Johnny, 
you're good with words, never insult anyone, because you'll really take them apart. And I just thought that was the best bit of encouragement you could ever get. Because he, he kind of said something really kind. Like, I see something in you that's amazing. I think you have to, like, really um, grow this gift that you've got. But he also said, you know, at the same time, I want to call out the best in you. Make sure you use it for something life-giving. Like, don't use it to, to cut people down or to be, to mean, be mean with people. Because or, or, they'll remember what you said. Because you'll probably, you'll probably really, like, hit the spot with how you insult them. Anyway, um, I like to keep that in my locker in case I ever need it. Yeah, that's helpful. Just want to take 30 seconds and tell the person beside you the name or the person yeah. that has most influenced you. Don't need, you don't need to say why. You can talk about that after because we're yeah. here for a few days. But just tell them who it is and then they can follow it up after you. 30 seconds. There you go. All, all right, everyone. I'm not sure if that was 30 seconds because the truth is I didn't time it. Um, something, something major happened in my life 10 days ago, guys. I hit 1,000 followers on Instagram. It was massive. Massive. I I have yet to receive my blue tick. Uh, I assume it comes in the post, uh, but it has not come. Social media is interesting, though, and lots of people talk about it. My voice is interesting too, and I'd love to know: Does social media make it a bit harder to love yourself? And if and if not, social media, just like in general, like media. All of that doesn't make it hard to love yourself, and why? The floor is open. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely do think it does because I think you're like constantly bombarded with like pictures of people, like new things people are doing, like things people have like succeeded on, and you just like tend to really compare yourself even like subconsciously um which i do think is really difficult so yeah i do think it definitely does make it harder to love yourself um yeah especially with um like rachel was talking about this morning like the cancel culture um especially with like christian like celebrities and stuff they'll like say something um even like about their faith or what they believe in or um something that they stand for and like immediately the media like just cancels them and they're like that's not what you should believe like christians are like cancelled and i'm like well like it's so hard to live in a world and like love yourself and um, when you stand for something that like all of society believes that you're wrong and like mm. you're you're like completely like like again like you're cancelled which is like just not true because um also, like Rachel was saying, there's also um, a part of society that tells you to be yourself and um, you can be anything you want to be. Like, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. But yet there's the flip side of that. That's like, no, but you can't be that. You have to be the, like, you have to conform to society. And I think that's, that's really difficult. Um, yeah, I think it definitely makes it harder to love yourself because, like, social media, like, if you're just scrolling on something, it's like a never-ending carousel, kind of, because you're like attracted to it and you just keep going and keep going and you just forget about like actual life and you're just drawn in and you don't realize that the things you're seeing are like not always good and they can like lead you to do bad things or they could bring you up on like the wrong thing so yeah it's definitely making it harder yeah I feel the same like I feel like when you see things online you're constantly comparing yourself to it and like always like putting yourself beside it but I feel like sometimes it's harder to realise that like not all of this is true and like you just gotta like kind of believe in yourself and because God like, cares about you and loves you. Brilliant. I have a question, Ken. Yeah. Um, you're slightly older than us. 
Um, we assume, we can't I, be sure. Yes, I assume. Um, and lots, I mean, the five of us at least, Johnny probably didn't, but we grew up with social media. I Like, I can remember Facebook being created and being like, look, it's a Facebook. What What is your, like, experience of social media? Like, do you have the same difficulties with it? Or, um, or are you just like, ah, I can take it or leave it because you may be a bit more maturity at the point whenever you started using it? Are you asking if I know how to use a computer? Because <laughs> I'm that old? What was life like before social media? Bef- BSM, before social media? Life was better before social media because you actually had to talk to people. You actually had to look people in the eye. You actually had to win people over and you had to be friendly. Mm-hmm. And And now I think it's... It's, there's some wonderful things. I've got friends all over the world. Um, I live in Minneapolis, and I've got, I've got friends here in Northern Ireland I stay in touch with all the time through social media. So there's some wonderful, absolutely wonderful things. Like we follow each other's lives. Johnny and I have been friends on social media for a long time. Um, but you tend, to, you tend to take like 100 pictures before you put one up. Is anybody like that? You take like a hundred photos and you're like, oh, I don't like the angle of that. Oh, I don't like the shadow on my face. Oh, I don't like, there, there used to be a day, I don't know if you've heard of 35 millimeter film or, oh, film. Is that how I should say it? Film. Film. It's making a comeback, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. So you used to, you used to snap a picture and you didn't know what it was going to look like. <laughs> and you'd go to the store and you'd get it developed and you had like a 50-50 chance if it was going to be a good picture or a bad picture. And there was something kind of fun in that. And nowadays, there's this pressure that the only time you can ever show anybody a picture is when it's perfect. And, and that's not true life. Like there's something, there's something kind of false about that. And so you end up living almost like a false life through social media. Like you can only put your, your worst stuff out there. I was a part of a movement on social media um, called uh, Don't Delete That. And it was like, if you take a picture that you're going to post on social media, don't delete it and put it out there. And, and for about three months, I put the, the most hideous, gross pictures out on social media. And then I realized that nobody liked them. And it made me feel so bad, I deleted all of my don't delete that pictures. And then the only pictures you see now are the ones that are really like artsy and cool and awesome. That's false. So, you know, it's, it's such a weird tension now, Phil. It wasn't, that didn't exist before. So it's created some new dynamics yeah. in how the world works. I think I, I was thinking about this during the week that, um, you know, 20 years ago before I had an Instagram uh, grid, like I did have family photo albums and I put loads of pictures in it that I really liked and I was proud of. And like, I treated that like treasure, you know, I, so maybe, maybe there's something about, having a grid of photos that you like or that like are really great memories or people that you love that it's, it's not the worst thing in the world as long as you kind of understand that you're not seeing the full reality of the life that somebody lives and and who they really are and is anybody else enjoying be real yeah show of hands be real interesting still a thing, still a thing. i find it interesting because like slowly over time people's burials have got later and they seem to always be doing cool stuff on their <laughs> burial which is fascinating to me um, the second section is purpose 
Johnny? Yeah. yeah. So um, I guess like one theme that we've been thinking about, talking about in the festival's identity and others' purpose. We were maybe a question that's kind of tied to a sense of identity that I just really, really wanted to ask was um, whenever you guys are 40 years old, how would you like people to describe you? You know, because I used to get asked all the time when you're 40, what do you want to do? And that created a huge amount of pressure in my life. I was really terrified of missing it. You know, like, I, there's this thing that when I'm 40, I have to do, and what happens if I make the wrong decision? I'm just going to miss it. Um, and I'm really, really lucky, because I think if you'd asked me when I was your age, what do you want to do, Johnny? I would have described something quite close to what I, I'm actually doing. But I think the older I got, the more I realized the person I'm becoming is just 10 times more important than what I actually do. So the question is, when you're 40, how would you like people to describe the person you are, um, and you can tell us what you would like to be doing as well, if you'd like to. I'd like to be described as a hunk. Would you? <laughs> Even more of a hunk yes. than you are already? He is more of a hunk than he was at 26. Right. Where are we going first, Phil? Who would like to start? We will start over here. Okay. Karis? Um, I feel like when I'm 40, I'd love to be described as someone who really like goes to church and like helps out a lot, and like I'd like to... like help out a lot in church and be able to like go and like do things for other people and like like yeah I think that's it yeah um when I'm 40 I'd love to like help out more in summer camps like like a youth kind of and I'd love like kids to come and ask me questions like and if they need help with their like Christian life and stuff like that so you're enjoying us asking you questions then <laughs> brilliant um, I think I would just want to be like a positive role model like for people um, and just to be someone who people just like look at and just think that they're really like happy with their life and just like really content. Mm. I think I'd like to be described as like a selfless person that doesn't do things like for myself um, and does it for other people like, like you guys said like helping out in church and stuff and doing things for other people. Yeah. What about when you're 40, Ken? How would you like to be described? <laughs> you mean uh, 11 years ago? <laughs> I'm yeah, an sure. old man now. <laughs> sure. uh, can I can I project into the future yeah. when I'm when I'm 60, or maybe what people write on my tombstone? A, a lot of the, a lot of what you guys are saying is exactly, I think, the right direction. Like it's who you, it's your character and who you are and how you lived your life and the who you are day to day, the integrity of your life before God. And so kind of on my tombstone, I've often thought someday I want people to, to write on there that uh, he walked with Jesus. Because I, I don't know if there's a better way to be filled with all those things, awesome things you guys are saying, like to be selfless, Poppy. That, that's such an awesome goal. Um, and I think Jesus helps us do that. So uh, that, would be, that would be a great goal, I think. It's not a bad thing to remember that some, like, I don't mean to be really... <laughs> morbid or inappropriate but like um sometimes i remember that that at my funeral nobody's gonna say johnny got an a in his history a level like it's just not going to be talked about you know i want people <laughs> unless that's the greatest thing you ever achieved and i i want people to say something about kindness you know i think i've i've discovered like love people talk about love loads like love this love that love others and love just to me feels sometimes a bit abstract but there's something about the word kindness that's like it's really meaningful it's personal it's specific it's like practical and stuff so i i hope one day when i die people will say johnny was kind you know and if they mention my history a level that's fine in 30 seconds 
tell the person beside you three adjectives you'd like written <laughs> on your tombstone, and then we'll come back. All right, 30 seconds is up. I've just discovered that if Ruby and Poppy were to pick three words from my tombstone, it would be funny, friendly, and caring. I think that's, I think that's pretty good. Seemingly not a hunk, but we'll go, we'll go with it. Um, we're going to move to the last section, which is belonging. really want to talk about this. I think belonging is important. And the first question I'd love to ask, and if you haven't figured out, we're probably going to ask you in the room so you can think about it while we're chatting to you, is where do you feel most at home? And I don't mean like actually like in your house. It could be there, but not necessarily. Where do you feel most at home? Um, probably like on a youth on Sunday night. Like I love being with all the young people and um, just learning about like our lives and I just enjoy like spending time with them and even like now in summer madness it's been like good crack and stuff yeah yeah I would say like in church or at youth on a Sunday night because um I feel like in school and stuff it would feel more awkward like to talk about your Christianity and talk about like your background and stuff whereas there I feel like you're so comfortable around people like they feel like you really they really are your family and you get along with them so well um, I say mine just probably be when I'm just around my friends and we're just like having a good time, like just laughing at all, bouncing off each other. Just like those moments that you like think back on, you're just like, oh, like that was just a great time. That's probably when I feel at home the most. Um, really similar to you guys, um, like uh, um, like around other Christians, um, especially like peers. Um, yeah. It's just you feel really at home because like like you said you don't feel judged or anything and like you can just like talk about yourself freely you don't have to like worry about what anybody thinks about you yeah mm. like that's, that's good. so I'm really interested in that like so what are what are the qualities that make that home so you you don't feel judged you can be yourself like what else is it that that really makes that stick with you I'm really curious Um, oh goodness. Ah, okay. Yeah, like go deep. <laughs> no, I really feel on the spot. Deep, go deep. Um, I just think because you all share the same kind of values, it's like an accepting environment. Like you know that they're all like, they've got the same like deep-rooted like foundation as you. So at the end of the day, like you're going to always get along because you have that connection. So I don't know. That's just one idea. Yeah, I'd probably say the same because, like, in school and stuff, again, um, I don't have any, many, like, I don't think I have any Christian friends in school except for, like, a few that also go to SNF with me, which is our youth fellowship group. And I would just find it really awkward in school, like, to talk about my Christianity because I feel like some of my friends are quite against it a bit. And I feel like when I just come along to my youth, my youth group or my church and something, I just feel like everyone else is, like, so upset, accepting and, like, they're all, like, with me in it. And, like, they're, like, they all, like, think the same as me and it's really good. Um, I think it's like you can be who you are like you don't have to be afraid and it's whenever we're having the talks it's like you're all together and you've all like got the bond with Christ yeah. so you like you can relate to each other and know what to talk about. So, yeah. so I, I think of uh, you guys describe my dog. My dog's name is Stella Doofenshmirtz. and she is uh, she's this uh, Pyrenees poodle. Yeah, Stella Doofenshmirtz. Is that Get from back. Phineas and Ferb? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's in charge of the tri-state area. She's taken over. 
Um, so Stella, Stella is a Pyrenees poodle. She's huge and beautiful and awesome. And every single time that Zach, this is my son Zach over here. Every single time Hi, Zach. Zach and I come home, Stella, Stella lets us know that she absolutely adores us. She loves us. And she's so grateful to see us. And there's something about that which feels very much at home. It's, it's, um, she just wants to be near us. She's, she lies down at our feet. She looks at us constantly. And even if we mess up, like we forget to feed her or we don't take her for a walk at the right time or something like that, she still absolutely adores us and loves us and doesn't give up on us. And uh, there's something beautiful about that. And I think I want to be that way for people, if that makes sense. You want to run at them. I want to, yeah. I want to wag my tail and get real excited when they walk in the door. But I, I, want, I want to adore people that way, you know? And I think God, God's a little bit like that in a way. He just adores us. And, and he, he, um, he wants us to be the best that we are, but he, that, that we can be. But he absolutely adores us. So I don't know if that was a stupid answer or not, but I love my dog for that reason. And there's something, there's something special. And I think humans, they forget to love people like that. You know, and I, I think that we maybe were created to love people with this extravagant love, and I, I think we've lost that along the way somehow. I think people in North America are better at it than we are. You know, yeah, I, do. I think I, if you've met an, an American or a Canadian before, I think they're quite good at, at just showing how pleased they are to see you and. Anybody else ever had that experience? <laughs> or like, there's something about Northern Irish culture that's just that little tiny bit standoffish, maybe, or we're just a tiny bit more reserved or whatever. And I think the whole North American thing is a bit marmite here. Like, people either love it or hate it, but I love it. You know, I just like would spend every holiday there if I could, because people are so so like wide open with how they feel. And yeah, yeah, I'm pleased to see you. Yeah, I love you, Johnny. <laughs> I sometimes find the North American thing a bit much, but I also like it. <laughs> I was a bit harsh. Um, I remember like a month after I became a Christian, I was with all of my non-Christian friends. They were all from school, and they were like talking about, oh, church is for weirdos, you know, like church is so crap. And I was like, I know. I hate it so much. I feel like such a fraud. Anyway, um, the final question, which I think is an important question, is do you feel a sense of belonging in church? I'm not talking about youth. That's different. I'm talking about in church. And this is not, I'm not asking you to like, if it's, I don't, don't bash your own church for saying that, but church in general, like, do you feel like you're represented? Do you feel like you belong? Do you think you find home there? Um, if yes, why? If no, why not? What would not? you change? Yeah, what yeah, would you change? change? Yes. Um, Um, yes, I feel I definitely feel at home at church um, because, like Ruby said earlier, like you share like a deep-rooted um, like foundation. You all um, like share a love for God. But I also think people that are like are coming into church from outside of church sometimes can look on church as a place that isn't a homely um, environment, and it can be very like cliquey. It's like you're walking into a place where everyone's got their friend groups and everybody is like there everyone just seems the same and you like you could be like seen as an outsider so i think if there was one thing you could change about church it would be to be a bit more like hospitable mm. and like welcoming people in uh, what, what would it look like 
Have you any have you any idea what that would? I just think be? like in like some maybe like more it's more like younger generations I think just like the friend groups can sometimes be like clicky so like I suppose just opening up a bit more and like when someone new comes in like directly like speaking to them and like welcoming them in welcoming them in not just like being like oh they're like an outsider being more Ken yeah, <laughs> yeah. or Ken's dog um poof, poofy pimper schnickel or whatever <laughs> um yeah, I agree with Poppy. Um, kind of for the same reasons, because you have that shared um, belief. But I also think that in church, like, although we all have the same, like, core belief, obviously people have different opinions about things. Um, so, yeah, like, there can, obviously there can be clashes and things like that. But, um, like, overall, yeah, I definitely do um, have a sense of belonging. Um, yeah, I definitely feel like I have a sense of belonging too. Definitely because like everyone in church is like a family. So I feel like whenever you're talking to another family or something, you just get on, you just know exactly what to talk about. And it's like so nice, like whenever your parents are talking to another like group of parents, and it's just, yeah, you just feel so close. Yeah, I would agree with what all you guys said. I feel like I really belong in my church because like everyone there is so comforting and we all like a big family and like there's not that sense of awkwardness like everyone just knows like like they're all like so, such a big family and they're all like greeting each other and like it's just really nice and to be around and stuff. I was going to ask if you could click your fingers and change one thing about church. Um, what would you what would you like to do that would be that would be different? Maybe ask Ken first and then that'll give you guys a moment to think. Like if you could click your fingers, Ken. <laughs> uh, okay, so if I could click my fingers and change something about church, I'd, I, I, I mean this with a ton of respect, because the older generation is the reason why we have faith in Jesus. Okay, so but I'd like the older generation to be uh, putting the next generations as the priority in church. That's what I would change. That the older generations would always be thinking about the next generation and, and how to empower them and equip them in a vibrant faith in Jesus. That, yeah. that would be it. Are you ready? Have you thought, have you an idea? Yeah, but the one I, basically the one I said before, yeah. being more welcoming, like less, it's not, it's not judgment, but like newcomers coming in can definitely be like seen as an outsider, I think, definitely becoming more welcoming. Um, yeah, kind of like on what um, Ken said about the older generation, I think that sometimes I feel like they maybe find it hard to accept that like things are cha like changing and becoming more modern, like even in like worship and just the kind of variety of songs or like the topics of the sermon, like things are can be getting more modern because the younger generation is obviously increasing as the years go on. So um, yeah, I think maybe just like a more accepting vibe about that. Cool. Um, yeah, as well, like what Ken said, I think the older like people, I think they do need to like help the younger ones and and like mentor them, and I feel like it could really help them, like teach them. But then the younger ones could also help the older ones and like teach them what's going on and what's like becoming of the church nowadays. Yeah, my, my five point was kind of like the same of all of you guys, like just like helping the younger generation because like they are going to be like the next church they're going to bring the ones like the next generation the next generation and we're all kind of just helping each other grow in faith and like that's, yeah hey would you give it up for our, our sofa of guests good job guys
Um, I, in an ideal world, please, please don't. You'll give me heart failure. Um, the explosive deep yeah, can I Can I say, uh, about nine months ago, we, no, 11 months ago, I took this sofa to another youth camp and there was a variety of people on it, including one of our colleagues who is probably around 27 stone and 12 people came on this and the whole of the inside of it blew up. <laughs> like, I mean, actually imploded. And so I'm freaked out when people bounce on it. <laughs> anyway, um, in an ideal world, this seminar would have been like way more like hearing from all of you like that's the point of it like we want to model conversation so I'd love you as we go for the rest of the day I'd love you to chat about identity purpose belonging with each other like maybe ask each other like do you do you feel like you belong around me or like you know ask questions like that that's what we're trying to encourage good conversation like not just conversation around the th about things that are trivial but conversations that are going to grow you as a person and grow you as a Christian so I'd love to encourage that and then tomorrow we're back at the same time we're going to talk about justice tomorrow um, and you can find out what more about justice tomorrow because I haven't written it yet so we'll come back at four o'clock tomorrow <laughs> do you have um, you have a guest tomorrow yeah we do Okay. TBC. TBC. Yeah. Um, if you would like to sit on the sofa and uh, Tomor share tomorrow, tomorrow, not right now. Yeah, uh, Phil's a bit angsty about um, <laughs> the sofa. If you'd like to sit on the sofa tomorrow, share your thoughts, opinions, and ideas about uh, main stage content tonight and tomorrow morning, and um, ask any question you would like of our main stage contributors, then let us know, and we'd love to host you on the sofa tomorrow. Um, maybe we could finish with any question you like for Ken Caster, who's going to be speaking on Monday night and Tuesday morning. We'll we take it from the room. We could take we've some got, from we've the got room, three yeah. questions from the room. Any question for Kendrick Caster? Don't be like in intensely spiritual about it. You know, you can ask him anything you like. Put your hand. Up I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna ask a question. That Put your you a hand up. Think, then. Right? Does Put the dog ever get on the bed, or sleep on the bed, no. or share the bed? No. Not What's at all. Never. What's the point in having a dog if you're not going to cuddle it? That's exactly what I wonder. Yeah. The whole point of having the dog. Let me get this dog and put it in my back garden. Nonsense. <laughs> Sorry if anyone does that. <laughs> Any questions? Oh, we've got one down there, Andrew. Uh, Port Glenone. <laughs> no, I, and not to over-spiritualize it, but, but all my time's coming here. It's, it's with people who love Jesus. So I started doing mission with Youth for Christ in Dromore back in 2006. And I just, the, the people I've met over the years and hung out with, I just absolutely love because they love Jesus. So they've been really good for my heart. Yep. Awesome. Any other questions? Nope, we're not going to let that drag on because that could get this thing very awkward. Uh, thanks for coming, everyone. See you at four tomorrow. Yeah, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. And uh, I'll, I'll see you later. If any of you are praying, people, could you pray my voice comes back? Cause it's not great. All right, see you later. Bye.